0: So we are going to take a moment uh, now to reflect on that passage from Romans that was just read a moment ago. But before we do that, I think it's only right that we allow God to prepare our hearts and our minds for the message that he has for us. So would you please bow your heads and pray with me? Let's pray together. Lord God, we give you thanks that you have indeed gathered us back together in this place. What a joy and a privilege it is to be back together as a family of faith. And so, Lord, as we worship now and as we continue in worship by studying your word, we ask that you would give us open hearts and minds to receive the message you have for us. And Lord, I pray that the words of my lips and the meditation of my heart would be pleasing in your sight, O God, who is indeed our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So there are certain moments in life that just stand out. Maybe it's when you finally get that job that you've been hoping to get, that dream job, that job you've been longing for, not simply because of maybe the pay that it gives you, but also because it's, it's something you're interested in, something that's going to help you advance in your career, something that's going to allow you to use your gifts and your passions in some way. It's, a good, it's good news. It's something that you want to share. Or maybe uh, how about that time when you find that perfect special someone that, that person you can't wait to see each day, and, and as you're starting to get to know each other, you just can't stop talking about this person. All your friends, all your family know about them because you are excited about this new relationship that has started in your life. Or maybe it's the birth of a child. You're waiting for nine months to meet that person and now finally they have arrived and and it's still a pregnant moment because it's pregnant with all the possibilities and all the future uh, things that this child might do i mean this is a picture of my my first this is abigail when we brought her home from the hospital that that moment was so life-changing so amazing we decided to have more and that's why we have three kids now is because it's just it's an incredible moment and you, you share their pictures and you tell their stories Or maybe if if you're like my kids in my house, maybe the thing that has totally changed your life is caterpillars. Because that's what they're excited about. We found these caterpillars like eating the last of our parsley. We found out that they were like black swallowtail butterfly caterpillars, and the kids will not stop talking about these things. We brought them inside. We have like caterpillar-like terrarium thing, and they've, they've turned into now they're, they've gone into their chrysalis mode. and every single morning I wake up and the kids are like, "They're awake before I am." They're just like staring at it. Like staring at the chrysalis and, and talk, talking about these caterpillars which are going to turn into butterflies. I mean, it's good news. They want to share it. It's exciting. These are important moments because they're life-changing moments. They're, they're filled with possibility. And, and when we have these moments, well, what do we do? What's the most natural thing to do? We talk about it, right? And we tweet about it, and we post about it, and we share it, and we like it, and we comment on it, and so on and so forth, right? We, we tell people about the things that we're excited about. Because we want them to share in our joy. We want them to experience the goodness of this thing that's happened in our lives. And the same can be said when it comes to spiritual things. Recently, the Barna Research Group uh, did a a, a poll, a a study of American adults. And one of the things that they found in their study is that 35% of American adults have said that they have made a big change in their lives as a result of a spiritual conversation. That simply because somebody else was excited about faith or spirituality or God, it led to them having a life-transforming moment. And if you do the math, I mean, just think about like the number of Americans that there are and and roughly how many adults there are. What we're talking about is we're talking about 115,636,070 people have said that they have had some sort of big change in their lives as a direct result of a spiritual conversation. That's huge. That's more people than on that first Pentecost story in the book of Acts. And the way Barna defined spiritual conversations, get this. They defined spiritual conversations in a very simple way. They said it's any conversation about spiritual or faith matters, including doubts with anyone. Any conversation about spiritual or faith matters, including doubts with anyone. They're not talking about you sitting down and opening your Bible and going from Genesis to Revelation and talking about salvation history or drawing a gospel diagram on a napkin. They're not talking about any of that. Just sitting down with someone and saying, Hey, um, you know, I listened to this sermon and uh, it's really kind of messing with me. I mean, can I share the podcast with you? And we talk about it. Or, or what are you studying in, in the Bible? Or, or just what do you think about God in general? Like it, it could be that simple. They're saying those simple everyday conversations led to life-changing encounters in 35% of American adults. That's an incredible number. But here's what they also found in the very same study. They found that 74% of American Christians have less than 10 spiritual conversations in the past year. 74% 74% of American Christians have had less than 10 of those conversations in the past year. That's less than one a month, which is really disheartening for me as a pastor, because what it means is that at least two months out of the year, you guys aren't talking about my sermons. And that's really bothering me. No, but seriously, I mean, if, if a spiritual conversation is that simple, what do you think of the sermon this past weekend? I mean, we're not having those conversations as Christians. There's all these people who say spiritual conversations have have been huge in my life. People out there who are willing to have them. And yet Christians are having those conversations less and less. And lest we here at Trinity think, well, that's maybe American Christians in general. Here at Trinity, we got it down, right? Well, I don't know about that. Because we do this thing called the spiritual life assessment, which we have people do in small groups every year. And the spiritual life assessment is a way of just like looking at our values as a church and reflecting on how, where am I doing well? Where do I need to grow some more? You want to know which value is consistently our lowest value cumulatively as a church? It's our sharing value. The value in which we have spiritual conversations. And why is that? farnas started to ask that question they said why is it that christians are having fewer and fewer spiritual conversations each year and some of the things they got is people said well i'm just afraid i'm afraid to have spiritual conversations I'm afraid that the other person might get angry, uh, that it might ruin our friendship, that, that, that I'll look dumb. I mean, we, we live in a society where, you know, increasingly it's becoming uh, not okay to tell people what to believe or to have a disagreement. And so they're just afraid worried that it's just not going to go well or have a bad reaction from someone. But I would argue that's, that's not really the problem. Barna asked, again, you know, kind of, why is it that we're having less conversations? Some people said it was because of knowledge, or really a lack of knowledge. Said, so I just don't know enough. I don't know enough about the Bible. I don't know enough about theology. What if they ask me a really, really tough question, and I don't know the answer? And so, so, I just don't have those conversations. Maybe a valid point, but I would also argue, I don't think that's really the biggest reason why we're not having conversations. I think, honestly, the reason is a lack of passion. Because think about all those other examples that I gave at the beginning of this message. We're not worried about how the other people are going to hear that good news. We're not worried if we know enough or whether we look smart or not. We're just excited. And we share. We share what we're passionate about. We share what's exciting to us. We share good news in our lives with people all the time. And I think the reason why we're not having spiritual conversations is because we've lost our passion. Because what we're passionate about, we talk about. And so this morning, as we're kicking off this series called Speaking of Jesus, I want to reintroduce for a moment to our first love. I want to reintroduce us to the passion and to this amazing gift that we have been given. And to do that, we're going to look at that passage from Romans chapter 10, beginning in verse 13, where the Apostle Paul reintroduces us to this passion. Here's what he says. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Let me say that again. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Who? Everyone. Who does what? Calls on the name of the Lord. Will, will, what will happen? will be saved. That's what Paul is saying. This is the summary of what we believe as Christians. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Now, as somebody who wasn't a Christian for a good portion of my life, this flies in the face of everything that I believed about religion. Because what I believed about religion was that religion was an exclusivist's club. That religion was about saying, my people are better than your people. We know the way and you guys don't. And, and in order to be saved or to get enlightened or whatever it was, you had to like do the right things, say the right things, dress the right way, look a certain way, come from a certain background, so on and so forth. But what Paul is saying here is he's saying, no, everyone. This is a door that is wide open. Doesn't matter what your cultural background, racial background, socioeconomic background is. Doesn't matter what your past history was, what you've done or failed to do. Everyone is welcome in the family of God through Jesus Christ. Furthermore, I love this. He says, and it's not about what you do, it's not about your moral performance, it's not how well you did keep the Ten Commandments. Not even well. how well you did keeping five or maybe just one of them. It's all about simply calling on God. That's it. And then what will happen? You'll be saved. And this word, by the way, in Greek is a beautiful word. And even though you're wearing masks, I bet you you can say it. The word is sozo. Can you say sozo? Sozo. The word is sozo, okay? And then when he talks about being saved, and sozo has this massive semantic range. Okay, when, when the word sozo is used in Greek, it can mean to rescue, it can mean to heal, it can mean to protect, it can mean to save from death. He's saying that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will get this, will get sozoed. Okay? And, and it's beautiful because if you look in like the Gospels, for example, every time Jesus heals somebody, the word is sozo. Every time he forgives someone and says that through this forgiveness you are now saved, he's talking about sozo. When he says anyone who believes in me shall not perish but have eternal life, he's talking about sozo. It's a holistic kind of thing. This is a type of salvation that forgives, that heals, that restores, that knits up what is torn and broken, and which promises eternal life. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Is beautiful news. But how does that news come to us? Because it's one thing to know that, and it's a great thing to be able to know a little bit of Greek. But how does that news come to us? Well, it comes to us in very surprising everyday ways. I going to tell you a story about when I was in college ministry, I was serving at UIC. Every year we had a, a winter conference called Winterfest, where we invited college students from campuses around Chicago to, to come for a weekend to a hotel where we had a speaker and there was a lot of fun and games, but there are also tracks so students could grow in their spiritual life. And there's one track called Finding God. In which the Christian students were actually invited, uh, were encouraged to invite a non-Christian friend to come with them for the weekend and to go through finding God with that person. And what we told people is we said, hey, if you have doubts, if if you have questions about Christianity, nothing is off limits. This track is for you. You can come, you can get honest answers to your questions. We can have honest dialogue about what you're wrestling with. Just come and hang out with us. And so it was during uh, this one, uh, one year, uh, I was, you know, helping lead the Finding God track, and I was introduced to a girl named Christy. And here's Christy. Uh, she was a part of that first small group. And after the opening talk, we all broke up into groups, and we just got to know each other a little bit. And I got to Christy and asked her, you know, why did you come this weekend? And she's like, you know, I really don't care about this whole God and Jesus thing. It's just that my friends invited me. They're pretty cool, and I wanted to hang out with them for a weekend in a hotel. That's the reason she came. And we said, okay, well, you're in a track called Finding God, and you're here, so we'd love to know kind of what about spirituality and, and faith? What role does that play in your life? She's like, not a whole lot. Quite honestly, I'm about ready to give up on God. And as we talked with her, we, we learned that she'd been burned by the church. She'd been burned by Christians. She'd had some brokenness in her family and in her life. And that had left her feeling honestly... Cold and kind of hard hearted to this idea of God and Jesus and faith and all that stuff. And for those first couple small groups, man, she came in ready to fight. She's like, I got some questions for you. I bet you you can't answer these questions. And just went to it. And the whole time, the first couple group meetings, I was just like, can I just switch to another small group? (laughs) And I was the leader. But something amazing happened over the course of that weekend that the more we talked, the more we asked questions. And the more we listened, the more Christy started to open up. And we got to hear her story. And we got to hear about that brokenness. And she said, so, so how does Jesus matter for my broken family? What does Jesus have to say to that church that treated us this way? What does Jesus have to say about suffering in the world? What does Jesus have to say about this, that, and the other thing? And she was asking honestly... The end of the weekend came, there was one final talk. We were all, all the students gathered together to hear our speaker. And our speaker toward the end of his talk was like, you know, this whole weekend we've been talking about Jesus. We've been talking about this extravagant love that God has for everyone. And there are some of you who came to this conference because Jesus is calling you. And tonight... You're feeling like you want to respond to that call for the first time. And that's you. Some of our staff are standing around the edge of the auditorium. We invite you to go up and to pray with them. To start that journey here now. And so he, he prayed and we kind of left the floor open and the worship band started to play. And I stood back there in the corner wondering if anybody's going to come up. And to my surprise, Christy jumped out of her chair. Ran across the auditorium right up to me. And she said, I want you to pray with me. And I said, okay, what are we praying for, Christy? She's like, we're praying for the start of my journey with Jesus. She's like, I have tons of questions. But you guys have listened to my questions. You've pointed me to who Jesus actually is, not who some people once told me he was. And because of that, I want to follow him because this feels like coming home. And I had the privilege of praying with Christy that night as she began her journey with Jesus. But it gets better. See, one year later, we were having a staff meeting at DePaul University. See, we rotated where, which campus we had our staff meetings at each month. And then this month, we were going to DePaul. And the campus staff said, hey, our students right now, as we're meeting, are doing an outreach event in the student union. So over lunch, let's go to the student union, just check in, see how they're doing, maybe pray with them. So we go to the student union, and from across the lobby, I hear, Nick! And I look up, and here comes Christy running across the lobby to me from the university booth that was like set up over there. And she's like, I bet you never thought you'd see me here. And I was just like, I'm so glad I'm seeing you here, Christy. She's just like, hey, so uh, this outreach event that we're doing? I was just like, yeah. She's like, yeah, I helped plan that. She was her campus's evangelism coordinator. And she was telling people the story. Of what Jesus had done for her. Now, how did that happen? Not a burning bush, not a light from heaven, not earthquake and wind and fire, none of that stuff. People sitting down and talking, people listening to her, a friend having the guts to invite her to come, being willing to spend a weekend together just chatting chatting about Jesus, chatting about God, talking even about doubts. And through that, God did a miracle. Because you see, many times I hear Christians say, well, I don't save people, Jesus saves people. That's true. But how does he do it? Through you and through me. Paul says it beautifully. He says, how? they call on him to save them unless they believe in him and how can they believe in him if they've never heard about him and how can they hear about him unless someone tells them god does save people but he uses us to do it that's what scripture says and we have this brilliant and beautiful opportunity to tell people about the good news to simple, in simple everyday conversations, point them to the hope that we have. Because yes, God desires to save the whole world, but he wants to use us to do it by just talking. By just listening to people's stories. By just showing up and doing life side by side with them and then talking about the hope that we have. It is an amazing calling. I love how Paul puts it. He says... And how can anyone preach unless they are sent as it is written? How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Brothers and sisters, we are sent people. Who are sent with good news. The best news that there is. To share it with a world that's actually more open to having spiritual conversations than apparently we are. And that's an incredible opportunity. And not one to be wasted. And not one to be missed. And if you're listening to this message this morning and you're wondering, so is Trinity really a place where I can ask my questions? Is Trinity really a place where I can bring my doubts? Is this a God, the God that they say they worship, one that I can truly believe in? Well, let me tell you a little something about this God. If you are looking for a God who loves you unconditionally, you need to look no further than Jesus. If you're saying, I can't believe in a God unless he's willing to forgive us our shortcomings, I have news for you through Jesus he has. You're saying, I have a hard time trusting a God unless he's a God who's willing to save everyone. I can tell you through Jesus, that's exactly what he will do. In Jesus Christ, God's love is available to everyone that all might be forgiven and experience life eternal. It's that simple. That's how God does it. That's who he is. And our church is a place where we talk about him. Our mission statement is to help people look, live, and love more like Jesus. That's it. That's why we're here. And that's why we're doing this series. Over the course of these weeks, we're going to look at Jesus. We're going to look at how he did it. How he walked with people. How he talked with people. And how through those natural, everyday ways, he pointed them to the hope of eternity. The best news that there ever was. And our invitation in this series is to go and do likewise, to walk with him as we bring that good news to the people around us. And so we invite you to join us over these weeks as we learn how to do that together and become people who on everyday ways are speaking of Jesus. So it's with that in mind, I wanna pray. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, we give you thanks that through you, we have the best news that could ever be told. News of your love for a world that truly is unconditional and is given to us through what you have done, that you came, lived with us, taught us, died for us, and rose again, that we might be forgiven and have life eternal. Lord, that's too good to keep to ourselves. So help us become people who have beautiful feet as we go out with good news to a world that is desperate to hear it. It's in your name, Jesus, that we pray. Amen.